Hello, and thanks for joining in. I'm Jana Harmon, and you're listening to the Side B Podcast, where we listen to the other side. Each podcast, we'll listen to the story of a former atheist who changed their mind and came to believe in God. In culture today, it's hard to find places and spaces where you can listen to two sides of a story. But for the guests who come on this show, they have not only listened to both sides, they have thought and lived as atheists, and they have thought and lived as Christians. So this puts them in a unique position to give us insight as to what motivated them to become atheists, but also what changed their mind. We can listen and learn from both sides of their story. Today we'll be listening to Frank Federico, who lives in Sydney, Australia. He's a former atheist who came to Christian faith, something he thought he'd never do. Welcome to the podcast, Frank. It's great to have you on the show. As we're getting started, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, thanks for having me, Anna. Um, yeah, my name's Frank Federico. I'm a high school history teacher uh, in Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. Tell me about what that culture's like in terms of just, is it secular? Is it religious? Tell me a little bit about the, the religious or secular culture there in, in Australia. Well, it's really a highly secular society. Um, it's not common for people to openly talk about their faith if they have one. Um, there are a lot of people in Australia who do have a faith. So I think in the census that we had uh, a couple of years ago, um, over half the population uh, said that they were Christian of some sort. Um, and then there are other faiths as well. We're quite a multicultural nation. Um, but generally speaking, in, we're not a, a culture that is open uh, in terms of religious belief and People, it's, people are tolerant and people are, are, you know, welcome to have different faiths. But, yeah, it's not one where we overtly talk with one another about uh, what we believe. Mm. So backing up then, as you were a child, what was your sensibility about religion and, and Christianity or God or any of that? Did you Were you raised in a, in a family that had any kind of religious beliefs at all? Yeah, so I was raised a Catholic. Uh, so I went to Catholic schools for my, uh, all my school, for all my schooling and also um, regularly went to church up until probably about the age of 14 or 15 when I didn't want to go anymore. Um, so I had um, an understanding or a, a limited understanding of, of Catholicism um, and had certainly had experience in that, and both my parents um, were strong believers uh, and regular churchgoers. Did you, I know you went to church, it sounds like, did you have a belief in God? Did you believe that God was real or true, or was it just something that you went through the motions? Oh, I definitely believed it as a, as a little kid, um, and uh, I remember going to church, even sometimes on my own, and praying. Um, I had a, I think I had some rosary beads that I would pray through, and I remember having my confirmation and believing that. I was thinking, was how old was I? I think it was ten when I had my confirmation. Mm. Uh, but it was kind of around the age of fifteen, fourteen, fifteen, where I started to um, drift away from that and refused to go to church with my parents. I was a bit too old then for them to force me to go. And if I did go, I'd sort of sit at the back of the church and listen to the radio, you know, through an earpiece rather than pay attention to what was happening. And I think that may have embarrassed them a bit. And in the end, they kind of gave in and just let me stay home while they went. So it was around that age, 14, 15, where I really started to rebel against it and, and dislike it. That rebellion, was it, it, it just... Did it did it come from a place of doubt, like you didn't believe what they were saying, or or you just didn't like it, or what was it that made you push back against what your parents were trying to show you or teach you? Hmm. I think it's 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 a long time ago. So um, when I think back upon it, 
it was a combination of frustration at school because we had religious education at school. And I was reaching an age where I was starting to question what I was hearing. So my experience of Christianity as a child um, and a young young teen was that I learned what we were meant to believe and I learned what we had to do, but I was never taught why uh, these things were true. Um, and I remember particularly when I was in year 10, so that would be around the age of 14, 15, where I was, I had a particularly uh, convicted um, religious education teacher that year. He was very passionate and I found his passion uh, interesting, um, but also a bit grating. Uh, and I wanted to ask him questions about why he held the beliefs that he had. And I didn't find the answers that I got from him particularly satisfactory. Um, mm. And that became my experience also when I started asking my parents. My parents were not particularly, well, they didn't have much of an education. They had a simple faith. Um, they couldn't answer the kinds of questions I was asking. Um, but also I think it was coinciding with a time in my life where I was becoming more and more influenced by my peers. And most of them had no interest in religion. Um, we were interested in, in aspects of culture, music, TV, film that was very far removed from the kinds of things that Christianity wanted, wanted from us. And I guess it was a combination of those things. I, I think that lack of any kind of rationale for why I was doing these things as a Christian um, and also at the same time that culture that I was part of, that, that teen culture that I was part of that just had no, no space or time for God. Um, and that's pretty much, I think, what began a fairly rapid uh, moving away from any kind of belief. Um, so by the time I, I finished high school, which was at the age of 17, I, I really had no belief at all and I was quite hostile to it. So if people wanted to raise it with me, um, I was very negative and I would argue back. So you were, you, you just didn't take God off the table. You were really hostile towards those who did believe why what what do you think fueled this hostility i think that i felt people who believed um were stupid um mm. because i had never heard any kind of rational reason for believing to me it just seemed like some kind of superstition that people are born with and they don't let go of um when I was studying science, um, this is probably another factor actually in, in what shifted me. Um, when I was studying science, again, around that sort of year nine, 10 uh, period of my, my education, uh, I kept on or seemingly hearing things that contradicted with uh, the faith. And the perception that I had, and I think many had or still have, is that there is an incompatibility between what science has taught us about the world uh, and religious belief. Um, so I kind of felt that Christianity, religion in general, was belief without evidence. It's just a, it's faith, and faith has no evidence. So you believe in spite of evidence. You believe despite the fact that there is evidence that contradicts what you believe. And that, for me, actually is annoying. That's, that's, that made me angry because I, I was someone who was, you know, interested in reading. I was... I, been a lover of history for a very long time. I was quite academic at school and this kind of religion and religious belief seemed very non-academic. Um, so if people wanted to raise it with me, I would ask hostile questions or I would make hostile statements because I just felt they had nothing, nothing to offer me at all of any value or any credibility. At the same time, there is that aspect of my, my life where I just don't want to know. Um, I'm now drawn into sort of like teen culture. I've finished school, I'm at university and I, I start leading, you know, kind of, I guess, typical sort of hedonistic type of lifestyle, you know, pubs and clubs and all that kind of scene. So there's not much place for God in all of that. 
I just didn't want to know. Yeah. That raises a question for me. When you were having these doubts and questions and you did ask your parents and they didn't seem to to have any answers, anyone else that you approached, even if it was in a hostile way, what did you ever encounter any Christians that, that seemed to have an answer or have some kind of a rationale under not underlying their belief? Uh, or was it just they sh- would shrug and, and it just confirmed your superstition? Um, well, I, I, as I mentioned, I asked my uh, teachers at school um, in my senior years, or um, particularly that man I mentioned earlier, the one I had in year 10. Um, but at university, there were quite a few Christians on campus and I did notice them and I noticed their groups. And I actually remember a few times where I'd be, I could see them from a distance, you know, sort of like they were doing that um, sort of evangelism to people as they're walking by and I could see them and I was watching them and as I was getting closer, I was just saying, please don't stop me, please don't stop me, please don't stop me. And they did <laughs> several times. <they> stopped. <laughs> and, and I was really in no mood. I just, like, I didn't engage. I just didn't want to engage um, because I felt like there was, no, there was nothing that they could possibly say that I'd want to hear. Um, I really kind of had this feeling about Christians that it was almost cultish and I just didn't want to know. Um, obviously, eventually I did find someone who I engaged with and and had um, ability and had an ability to answer questions, but um, that was unforeseen. <laughs> and that was that was a scenario I kind of was forced into, um, not one that I was seeking, and one that I couldn't avoid. Why don't you tell me about that? Is it is this something that might have opened you up towards the possibility that there was something more? Uh, did you yeah, meet yeah. someone? What happened? Yeah, yeah, this this is the turning point. So um, this happened um, in 1997. So um, I was responsible for um, uh, a year group at, at school, in year seven. Um, I was the coordinator and I was organising a camp uh, for these kids. And... I was trying to find teachers to come on the camp with me um, and I had a few people in mind and some friends that I wanted to ask and a couple of friends in the science faculty that I wanted to come, um, but their head of department refused me. She said, look, they always go on camps, you can't have them. And it was like, I think, two, a one or two days out before the camp and I was getting very desperate. I really needed another male to come on the, the camp and I, I said to her, look, can't I just even have one of them? And she said, no, uh, but she said, you can have... <laughs> This guy called David, um, who had just started that year, um, and I think we're in, like this is yeah probably just towards the end of the first term, and I, I I had never really met him, but I'd heard about him, and what I'd heard about him was that he was a Christian, and that was enough for me to not really want to have much to do with him. Um, right. Such was my negativity towards Christians that I I just tried to avoid them. Um, so I had never had a conversation with him um, at all, but I was that desperate to find someone to come on the camp that I asked him because I, I had no alternative um, and he was willing to come. So I thought perhaps, you know, I don't have to have much to do with him on the camp. I'll be too busy anyway, so it should be okay. But the way things worked out was that um, there were three buses transporting these kids to this campsite and um I ended up boarding the last bus because I had to sort of sort out payments and that kind of thing. So two buses had left. There was only one bus left. I get on that bus. There's only one seat left on the bus and the seat is next to David. Um, And so this bus trip is going to be, I think, about an hour it took. And I'm going to have to talk to this guy for an hour. And this was totally unwanted and unplanned. And after sort of like, just saying, well, how are you finding school? Because he was a beginning teacher. That was his first year of teaching. Um, I was in my fourth year of teaching. Um, and sort of getting through that after five minutes, I was kind of stuck uh, for things to talk about. And he was quite introverted. And so I just went at it and I said, I hear um, that you're a Christian. Um, how does that work? You're a science teacher. Something like that. And that was yes. the beginning. <laughs> that was the beginning. <laughs> of the conversation and um, 
for the first time in my my experience, I've met someone who was clearly intelligent um, and who could answer some of the questions I was asking and also would say that he didn't know everything and also the things that I didn't like about Christianity, some of the things I didn't like about Christianity, he didn't like about Christianity. So, for example, mm. I had issues with sort of the institutional church and, you know, uh, particularly at that point in time, um, sort of the papacy and, and I actually had just been, I think a couple of years ago, I'd been to Rome and I'd been to the Vatican and the Sistine Chapel. I just saw this opulence and all this wealth and I found such a disconnect between what I saw there and what I understood the church was meant to be doing. Um, right. And... Um, you know, as a historian, I you know knew about the Crusades and the, the horrible violence done there in the name of God. And so I'd ask him about this, and how can you justify this, and how can you justify that? And he was saying that I don't justify it. <laughs> he could see there were problems with those things. Right. So, oh, okay. And I had never really encountered a Protestant Christian before. Um, I had, my understanding of Protestantism was, some, again, some kind of cult. I really knew very little about it. And... Um, this was my first experience with someone who's Protestant. So, and I just want to say at this point, by the way, I'm not anti-Catholic at all, and, and I've got many good Catholic friends, and I have a deep respect for them, and I know well and truly there are good things in Catholicism. So I hope this doesn't come across as um, anti-Catholicism, but it's just um, my experience at that point in time, that's where I was, and that's what I saw and perceived. So, yes. Um, meeting someone from a different branch of Christianity um, and someone who could actually answer some of my questions and recognise some of the, the problems I had with Christianity was very different. Um, and I think that conversation and then other encounters, we actually shared a room on this campsite as well as it turned out. Um, I didn't want that either. Um, but that's <laughs> but we, we spent a bit of time talking. I guess that was a very important point for me because it, it broke down some barriers. I would never have spoken to him voluntarily. I would never right. have engaged in that conversation voluntarily. I was forced into it by circumstance. Right. Uh, and I certainly didn't become a Christian from that conversation, but I was softened by it. Um, and then the next week, something strange happened. Um, I was in this uh, uh, reading club, a history books reading club, um, and um, every month you'd get this brochure of history books that you could buy. And they, on the cover page, it was like book of the month that they wanted to really promote. And the book of the month just happened to be a book called Jesus, the Evidence. Um, and there's no way I would have ever even contemplated reading or buying that book um, if it wasn't for that conversation uh, with David. Um, that's, the, that's the guy's name. And um, I bought it actually thinking that this book will have no evidence that there won't be much at all and right. um, that I'll read this and I'll be able to go back to David and be able to point out, you know, a few things that he's got wrong and, you know, basically right. demonstrate he's incorrect in his beliefs. And so I got this book. It arrived a few weeks later and um, it was I think it was about 300 pages long or something like that, but I read it very quickly and this was really an eye-opener for me. I, I was stunned by what I read in this book. Um, I did not expect to find the things that I found in there. Um, and I think that really was the, a, a real catalyst for me <laughs> to progress uh, or um, sort of use to, to pursue this further. So um, I can tell you a few things that I got out of that book. Um, that's what sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, um, sure. What did you find yeah. that was that was so surprising? Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I thought about the the New Testament was that um, the stories of Jesus were written hundreds of years later. I kind of had this idea that it was kind of like you know, sort of a mythology that developed. I, I, I didn't, you know, I believe that there was probably some person called Jesus, but the stories were just sort of like tales that developed over time and got warped, um, and they lacked all kind of historical credibility. Well, what this book, um, to my surprise, taught me was that that's actually, that wasn't the case, that the New Testament sources on the life of Jesus um, were written 
within the lifetime of people who actually knew him um, and were based um, on the testimony of eyewitnesses or possibly even written by eyewitnesses. Um, that really surprised me. I, I just did not know that. And the fact that there were so many of them also <laughs> surprised me. It's like, why are there so many texts about this guy? Knowing a bit about ancient history, there aren't that many texts from the ancient world. And if there are, there they tend to be about, you know, the, the rich and powerful, the great emperors and, 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 and the like. But to have so many written about this particular individual perplexed me. But, of course, as an historian, the fact that you've got multiple sources uh, testifying about him and they're early um, obviously made me think because well, why is this here? Why have they written this? Um, and they're in agreement with each other to a large extent. So I, I had to think about that. Um, right. And then the book had information about archaeological finds and that confirmed a lot of the place names and the people uh, that are mentioned in the New Testament. Again, that surprised me because if it was written centuries later, I wouldn't have expected that. But archaeology has confirmed a lot of what we find in the New Testament. And then um, the resurrection event itself and the fact that there were so many accounts about that. And, you know, I remember um, reading about Paul and what Paul said about the resurrection. And he said that if the resurrection had not happened, then Christianity is a waste of time. The faith is futile. Like he, he, right. he basically staked everything on this event being true. And you read it, you read this, this, this text, and you can see they really believe what they're saying. And not only did they really believe it, they were actually willing to die for it. And, and I found that hard to understand because it's it wasn't just that they died for a belief because people will do that. People have always done that. But they're actually dying for something they claim to have seen with their own eyes, that Jesus actually died on the cross, that he was buried and that he rose again and that they had numerous experiences with him. And then when given the opportunity to shut up about it because they were going to get persecuted, they chose persecution, they chose suffering, they chose death. And that needed explaining. Like, how do you account for these people testifying to this dead man this and making this particular claim so i found all this quite troubling because i didn't actually know how to answer it and my instinct was not to believe it but it was hard <laughs> it was hard not to believe it and and i had lots of questions still a lot of questions about it and i wasn't a christian because of that but it made a big difference reading this kind of material and i guess for the first time i understood that for Christians, or at least for thinking Christians, um, their faith is not blind. Um, that's what I understood faith to be. It's just blind belief without evidence. Rather, they've got this evidence, and then the faith follows from that. And that was a shock to me. And um, I had a huge number of questions that I wanted to pursue. So... I went back to David um, at school and asked him if he was willing to meet with me and um, answer some of those questions. Um, and we did that at school, but we found the time wasn't enough. So what ended up happening, we went to a local um, uh, bowling club um, after work one afternoon, and um, that's how it started. I just bombarded him with questions. <laughs> and, we, and this happened for weeks. Um, week after week after week uh, for uh, for several months. Um, and in the midst of that, I start, I found a, a Bible um, that my dad had, um, and I just started reading from Acts, actually. I, I read from the Acts of the Apostles because I thought I knew it was in the Gospels. I didn't, but I thought I knew. Um, but I started reading from Acts, and I just got a red pen, and I just started, you know, scribbling questions or underlining things that made no sense or seemed stupid. And I'd come back to David, and, and that's what happened. That's, we're going to quickly pause our story for a moment so that I can tell you a little bit about the C.S. Lewis Institute. For over 40 years, the Institute has been committed to developing wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ who will articulate, share, defend, and live their faith in personal and public life. Please consider making a donation to the C.S. Lewis Institute. 
To donate, go to our website at www.cslewisinstitute.org and click Donate. Thank you. Now let's get back to our story. So really as a historian, you wanted to know what grounded historical reality. And it was it's interesting to me, you went from a place of really not wanting to know to really wanting to know that it, it took you on a pursuit of an investigation of your own in a way to discover what was true. Did Was David able to answer some of those questions that you were red marking and outlining and circling and writing down? He could answer some, yeah. He could answer some. He couldn't answer all. And, and that was okay because... I'd rather that than sort of like pretending to know an answer when you don't. And when he couldn't find or didn't know the answer, he would um, find out for me as best he could. Um, but I mean, yeah, he was, you know, he's an intelligent guy and, and he was able to um, answer a lot of the, the questions that I had. Um, and yeah, it, obviously it really helped me. But I think also the thing about um, David, he was the first, I guess, I won't say authentic Christian. Um, what's the word I'm seeking? Knowledgeable Christian, um, well thought Christian that I'd met, um, or at least I had an opportunity to talk to at length with. Um, and as I got to know him, also I think um, I could see in him something different uh, that I had not really seen in in other people. And there's something about his character um, that was a bit different. Um, to what I knew, he was quite a humble person and he was obviously very patient to put up with my questions and, and a lot of my questions were coming from a point of hostility. Um, right. And he was able to listen to that and handle that um, graciously. Um, so I think I was very fortunate, blessed um, to have had this interaction with someone of his persona because I think if I'd met with someone who was perhaps more dogmatic or a bit aggressive or, you know, not so well thought through, just quoting Bible at me, for example, I, I don't think that would have worked. I think that would have had a negative impact. So, um, you know, the fact that he was a science teacher as well made a big difference to me because, as I said earlier, I, I didn't understand how they could be reconciled, but he clearly was able to reconcile them. And I was, you know, later on I met his fiance and, and, and wife, um, who's also a science teacher. Um, and I think then the next year, or a couple of years later, another Christian science teacher joined the science faculty at school. So it became very obvious to me that there is no incompatibility between a scientist um, or science and Christianity. So, um, yeah, I think that um, it was a combination of factors in, in my case of um, meeting the right kind of person that suited the person that I was, um, but also, yeah, I'm finding out for the first time the, the historical foundation um, for Christianity. Um, and that's been important to me ever since. Yeah, obviously you are, are again, as a historian and, and just seeking after foundational truths about whether or not something actually really happened, that as you said that the resurrection, if that's a historical event, that if, if that didn't actually happen, then the, the Christian faith is in vain. So I can see why the pursuit of these issues is is in, not only important, but actually essential uh, in terms of belief or non-belief in Christianity. Now, you, you, say, you mentioned that you started reading the Bible. What was your view of the Bible before you started reading it? Yeah, um, well, I, I didn't trust it. I, I, I mentioned earlier, I felt that it was um, unreliable in the sense that whatever was written there would have been written long after um, the events that it purported to describe. Um, I felt there was a lot of mythology. Um, I didn't know a lot about the Old Testament, but what I did know I thought was all mythology. Um, and again, with the New Testament, I, I didn't think it was of the same type, but it was a kind of mythology or at least a, a distortion or a serious distortion of what happened. I, I, 
I kind of felt that the people back in the ancient world really wouldn't have known what they were talking about, that they were more gullible, that they were more likely to uh, believe anything. And so I just I didn't treat it seriously at all. Um, I found the ethics or, and, and morality of Christianity to be um, inhibiting. Um, I kind of had this view at the time that um, whatever I felt to be right was right. Um, why should I allow anything to constrain me? Um, that's how I lived. Um, and so I felt like it was just, you know, a, a, it would be a burden to, to follow this uh, religion um, and then stupid to follow this religion um, given its poor basis. So the text of the Bible itself I had no regard for. I actually remember actually, now it's come back to me, when I was in high school, I literally did tear pages out of the Bible um, that we had in class when the teacher wasn't looking and I'd throw it around the room. Um, and, and I remember being really amused when the teacher would tell someone to pick up that rubbish and put it in the bin. Um, that's how I was. That's, that's that, that kind of summed up what I thought this text was. Yeah, not good. So when you, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I was, I was very negative about it. Mm. So when you started reading it for the first time, what were your impressions of it? Again, it seems to me your story seems to be one of perpetual surprise, uh, an expectation of some sort that when you entered into it seemed to be almost disappointed in a way that you found something so totally different than what you were thinking it would be. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, yeah, I... I Initially, I was finding what I was expecting because I started with Acts and Acts starts with the ascension of Jesus and, um, you know, there's, there's supernatural things happening pretty quickly in, in, in the book of Acts and I was struggling with that and there's the story of Ananias and Sapphira in chapter 5, which I'm not sure how familiar you are with that, but that, that's an odd one. Um, um, it just seemed too far-fetched. But at the same time, as I was reading Acts, it was written in a way that clearly was not of a mythological genre. It, it clearly was written as a kind of history. It, it was narrating events. It, it, it just didn't feel like a, the kind of mythology that I was aware of from my own teaching and study that you would get from the Greco-Roman world. It, it just had a different feel about it. And I quite enjoyed Acts being an historian because it was written in that way. I quite enjoyed reading it. I actually found it quite stimulating. At the same time, I'm looking to sort of pick it apart. Right. Um, but I think some, I can't remember when, but at some point, David kind of directed me to sort of look at the Gospels. Um, and I think that's when really I, 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 the sort of spiritual transformation began um, as I came to read more directly about Jesus um, and what he did, what he said. Um, and also um, this process, I guess, between the first sort of meeting at the at the bowling club and becoming a Christian, I think it was about four months, four months of these meetings. But what I, I, I felt that gradually I was changing or becoming more accepting of what I was reading and also coming to like what I was reading. Um, and I think when I came to understand, and it took me ages to, I think, understand what the gospel actually was, um, that is that we are saved by grace, um, that is not through anything that we do, um, that, that salvation and forgiveness is free, um, that I don't have to earn God's favour. God already favors me i was astonished by that i i had no understanding of that as a christian as a child that was not at all part of my understanding my understanding as a child was that when you do the wrong thing you've got to go to the priest you've got to make a confession then you've got to say certain prayers as penance and you know you're going back and forth always trying to make up for the wrongdoings that you you, you you've done and that's an endless process um one that you can't win. Um, yes. But 
reading and understanding actually what the Bible teaches about forgiveness and God's love, um, that was really beautiful and actually liberating. I, I never knew Christianity was like that. Um, I thought Christianity was just more rules. Um, but Christianity is actually liberating. It liberates you from that pressure. Um, you don't have to try and work for God's favour. You have it already. Um, that really moved me. And I think when I was able to articulate that to David, um, I know it moved him because I guess it finally clicked. Um, that's what this is about. And given that I was, I'd reached the point where I thought, historically, this has got a lot going for it. And given that the message of it is actually really beautiful, um, it happened. <laughs> it happened. I, I can't pinpoint a, a, a moment or, or, or day, but just without me realising it, I'd actually become a Christian. I really believed this. And it's kind of so strange because I never went looking for this. I never wanted it. I never imagined this could ever happen. Mm. Um, and in many ways, I mean, this was going to cost me, and we, I guess we can talk about that a bit, um, but I I kind of recognise or believe this was true. So if it's true, if I were to work or walk away from this, then I would be deliberately living a lie. And that would not that would not be good. I, 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 I couldn't do that. Um, so I was convicted. Um, and that was the turning point in my life. And, and 23 years later, I'm still meeting with David every week, by the way. <laughs> still are you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're quite quite a later. friendship. Yeah, he's my best friend. Never imagined that when I, when I went on that. Who would have ever thought? Mm-hmm. That guy you avoided um, would be your your closest friend. That's yeah. that's pretty amazing. Uh, tell me how your life has been since that major turning point uh, over the last. Did you say twenty years? Twenty three years. Twenty three yeah. years. How has your life changed from atheism to Christianity? Being a Christian. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, a lot a lot changed. So. Um, Initially, it was actually quite difficult um, because um, most of my friends um, obviously were not Christian and um, I was so different in my interests and even how I was behaving that it was quite uncomfortable for all of us. And I mean, the kinds of activities that we used to do, I just I just couldn't do them anymore. I mean. I used to like I used to like gambling. I used to like clubbing. I used to like drinking to excess. You know, I, I would take drugs. I was sexually active. I mean, like all that kind of stuff just didn't fit with the kind of person that I now wanted to be um, as a Christian. And it was very uncomfortable for me to sort of continue to go to those places. And I did. I continued to hang out with with my friends and some of these friends I've had for over 20 years like it was very difficult um one particular friend who I've known since kindergarten just absolutely savaged me for for this he Mm. he tore shreds off me on the phone and just basically you know asked me all the kinds of things that I might have asked as an angry atheist and I was not in a position back then really to be able to answer those questions so that was really that was very hard um Also, at the same time, though, I kind of, I was kind of withdrawing a bit because I felt like I can't, I want to know more about God and I want to spend more time with Christian people. And and it was just such a a massive turning point. It was quite dramatic in a sense. Like the, the friends that I had for so long, we drifted apart so quickly and that, you know, and permanently. Um, the only friend I had from my school days was the one friend who was a committed Christian. Um, mm. um, and we still are friends, which is good. Um, but, yeah, that was hard. So there was a while, really, that, you know, in terms of good friends, only David for, for, that, for that point in time. 
Um, but then I joined a church um, and I met some really lovely people uh, in that in that church and um, got to meet more Christians um, over time. Um, one thing that uh, has changed, I guess, is what I view as being important. So many things have changed in that regard, but um, my priorities in life shifted. So I kind of was just overwhelmed with enthusiasm for wanting to know as much as I could about Christianity. And I just, I'm one of those people who have just always got questions and just want to keep asking. And I think the first minister um, at the church that I went to was getting a little bit overwhelmed with all my questions, but he did a really good thing. He put me onto this um, theology course for lay people that was being offered by um, more theological college in Sydney. Um, mm. It was like a correspondence course. It wasn't like a high um, sort of academic level course, but it was good for sort of people um, just wanting to know more uh, in, in the pews at church. And so I, I took that on and I just absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, it was 21 subjects. I spent 11 years doing it. Um, and oh, my David, goodness. Yeah, David did it with me as well. So I was doing that while we were working. Um, David did half of those with me. And I just loved it. I couldn't get enough. Um, I just wanted to know more and more and more. Um, at the same time, I would question things. I just didn't accept everything that I was told. So it's not as if I kind of stopped the scepticism. Um, you know, I, I'd reached a point where I, I, I did believe the history um, the evidence is strong for this being true, but it didn't mean that I accepted everything that I was told. So I just wanted to learn answers to all the questions that I had and I'd keep on pursuing them. Um, and then when I finished those uh, subjects, I, I, I wanted to keep going. So um, I then actually took uh, a year off work and pursued um, theological study at a higher academic level. Um, and I've done that uh, a couple of times. I've taken a couple of years off work to do that. Um, so I guess for me, you know, knowing what's true, um, this kind of stuff didn't bother me before. You know, I, I just wanted to live a good, comfortable life and have fun and be happy. Um, for me now, what's most important is knowing what is true uh, and then trying as, as much as I can to live by that. Um, so that's a real shift um, in my mentality and, and the way I think. Um, the way I view things like the purpose of life, like what am I, what am I here for? Where's it all going? That completely shifted. So, um, for example, I, you know, I just death, thinking about death a lot more and, and I never used to think about that very much, but then I started to think about that more as a Christian, but in a positive way because you know the resurrection hope is just so amazing that you know there is more to our existence than what we have in this life and that you know when we die um you know there's going to be a new creation we're going to have new bodies and we're going to have eternity and like knowing there's that end goal changes the way one thinks about well what, what are we doing here um so I used to be very materialistic. Um, I'm less so. I'm not that I'm not entirely, but I'm less materialistic. Um, I'm much more interested in knowing, as I said before, um, truth. Um, I'm seeking wisdom. I'm seeking knowledge. Um, I'm seeking stuff that has permanence and eternal value rather than transitory things. Um, I know when my father passed away in 2016, um, having a faith made such a huge difference to the way I experienced that, um, as it did for my dad, because my dad um, was a strong believer right to the end. And, um, you know, knowing um, that my father was a believer in Jesus meant that I knew I would see him again. Um, I knew that he was in a good place. And, you know, sometimes at funerals, people will say things like, I know he's looking down on me or I know I'll see him again, but like, how do you know that? Um, how can you be sure of that? Well, as a Christian, I can say that and mean it. Um, mm. because Jesus rose from the dead and he showed us that that's what's awaiting all of us. And 
you know, that, that although that was a very painful experience, um, having that knowledge um, really impacted um, the way I viewed my father's passing and the way I still view it. Um, it's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. Um, my character changed. Um, you know, I was a racist. Um, I really was. Um, I was uh, pro-abortion. I remember one of my friends at school uh, got a girl pregnant and I very much encouraged him to push to get her to have an abortion. Um, I was very hedonistic. I just wanted pleasure of any kind, no matter what. Um, that's all changed. <laughs> that's all changed because as a Christian, I now understand what human beings are um, because God made us with a purpose and he gave us great dignity. The Bible says we're made in his image. There's something special about us. And not only that, like God lowered himself to become one of us and then died for us. Um, we're precious. Um, we're precious from the womb to the tomb. Mm. And everyone is precious. Every human being is precious. Every life is important. And I, I never used to think that way. Um, I never used to think that way. And I know you don't have to be a Christian to think that way, but it was my conversion to Christianity that led me to think that way. Um, right. So, so there were really big shifts in my character um, and in the way I was thinking about the world and the purpose of life. We'll return to our story in just a moment, but first I'd like to ask you a few questions. Have you ever wondered what heaven is really going to be like? What we will look like? What we will do? We all have questions about what heaven will look like. And after 25 years of extensive research, Dr. Randy Alcorn has the answers. On January 22nd, 2021, the C.S. Lewis Institute will have a live stream event with Dr. Randy Alcorn, and Randy will be teaching about heaven. You can find out more about this live stream event and register on the C.S. Lewis website, www.cslewisinstitute.org. If for some reason you missed this episode, you can always find it in our resources area. Now let's get back to our conversation. It seems that just listening to you, I'm, I'm impressed with how everything in your world has changed, your perspective about who God is, who you are, your relationship to others, your relationship to how you think about things in the world, how you experience life. It, it's been, it seems like a change or a turning over in just about every area of your life. That's amazing. As we're, as we're wrapping up our time, Frank, what would you like to say to those listening to the podcast who are a bit skeptical about God and religion and Christianity as you once were? Okay. Um, well, I guess I'd encourage people to um, explore the evidence for themselves um, and to ask questions. Um, I, I think, I know in my own case, I had a lot of presuppositions about Christianity that proved to be uh, well and truly false. Um, and um, I I'm wondering uh, whether other people would be the same. Um, so I guess, you know, ask yourself, um, is it possible that what you think you know about Christianity uh, might be flawed or actually skewed um, by something that you've heard before, some experience that you've had? Um, so I'd encourage people, yeah, to be open and to examine themselves and, and to seek um, answers to questions they might have. Um, I also encourage people to actually question what they actually believe themselves. So uh, I don't think I did that very much when I was an atheist. I, I, I just it was kind of became my default position without thought. Um, but now I've, I've thought about what I probably needed to think about much more when I was an atheist. Like, you know, if I, if I was an atheist, then I need to answer questions like, well, how, how is it possible that life comes from non-living 
matter and energy. Um, how is it possible that the universe came into existence out of nothing? Uh, how is it possible that consciousness can emerge out of just matter and energy? Um, why is it that human beings actually have significance if the universe is without purpose uh, or without a creator? Um, how can we trust our reason and our minds if it's just a product of biochemistry? Um, how can we say that people have human rights when humans aren't actually that special or, or, or haven't, you know, have got no eternal value? Um, like all these kinds of things I never ever thought about. Um, and, 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 and suffering and evil, like what does atheism offer in the face of suffering and evil? Nothing. There is no answer. There is no hope. Whereas Christianity, God gave us his son as the answer to suffering and evil. Um, like my whole, uh, what I would encourage people is to think through what you believe right now. Does your worldview um, answer these big questions satisfactorily? Uh, and if not, consider uh, Christianity. Um, I mean, I'm not the only one. One of the things I was amazed with on my journey was just how many other uh, people far brighter than me, far smarter than me, um, who became Christians. Um, so many uh, academics and scholars who are Christians in all kinds of fields. Um, these are thinking people. Um, why? Why have they come to these beliefs? Um, I really encourage people to, to look into that. And I guess one other thing I would say is that when you do meet Christians, don't judge them. Um, you're not going to find any person, any Christian who's perfect. Um, no Christian's perfect. Um, I know I used to be, used to hold Christians up to higher standards and expect more of them and then, you know, accuse them of hypocrisy when they didn't live up to them. But um, please don't judge Christianity by the behaviour of Christians. Mm. Um, Christianity is either objectively true or it's false regardless of what people do. So I just ask you to sort of like, if you do encounter Christians who annoy you or who, or don't, or who you don't think are behaving particularly Christianly, just bypass them and just get to the core and, and look at the sources and, and see what you find there. Yeah, look to Jesus, right? And, and uh, see, what you can, see what you find in him. Yeah. Indeed. Yes, yes. He, he defines himself as the truth. So if you're looking for truth, look to him. So that's just stellar, stellar advice uh, to those who may be skeptical or curious about Christianity. What would you say on the flip side? What would you say to Christians about perhaps the way that they're projecting themselves to those who don't believe or how would you encourage Christians? You are quite the learner. How would you encourage Christians to go deeper in their faith, perhaps, mm. and their understanding of their own worldview? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I think it's really important that Christians do spend time not just learning what, what to believe, but why, why they can believe it. Um, and, you know, 1 Peter 3.15 it tells us to um, always be ready to give an answer uh, to those who ask us. Um, and, uh, you know, I think in my, my experience um, as a young boy and, and young teenager, I did not find those kinds of Christians. Um, and that put me right off because I didn't think there actually were answers. Um, so you never know who God might bring into your life um, and they might come up to you asking all kinds of questions and, you need to be ready to be able to answer um, some of those questions or at least know where to lead them to get answers to their questions. And the thing is today, like, there are just so many resources available. Um, there are so many Christian thinkers and scholars, philosophers, apologists. You, the resources on, online are just amazing. Uh, YouTube's a great resource. I, I still um, get, get a great um, thrill out of watching Christians debate non-Christians and, and hearing both sides of an argument. I love hearing what atheists have to say and how they challenge Christian belief. Um, and I love hearing that there are answers in response to those challenges. So um, I do encourage Christians to be um, 
learners and never stop because you'll never, ever, ever learn it all. Um, so something to do right to the end. Um, I would also encourage Christians to listen to people. Um, I think I was guilty of this myself, actually, as a new Christian when I was talking to people that I was so enthusiastic about sharing everything I knew. Um, I didn't actually stop to listen to the kinds of questions were actually being asked or listen to the stories that people had. Um, you can't treat every person exactly the same way. Um, their particular issues, their particular experiences will need different answers or different approaches. So I guess be flexible in the way you uh, interact with people. Um, one thing that I encourage Christians to do is to actually engage in dialogue in the sense that you don't have to be the only one to actually answer questions. Um, ask questions um, about the person's beliefs. Um, what do they think about certain things, about how the world came to be, um, how we can know whether something's right or wrong? Um, I don't think, or at least in my case, I can't generalise, but perhaps there are people out there who haven't really thought through those issues very much. And once they're made to, they might find that their ideas aren't particularly well-founded. So you don't always have to be the one answering the questions. You can ask and, and perhaps help people to um, think through what they believe and then be more open to thinking about Christianity after that. Um, one thing, well, I guess in my case, this wasn't good and I assume for other people it might be the same, but I wouldn't recommend just quoting scripture at people, um, particularly it doesn't really, oh, in my case, that would never have worked. Um, because if you don't actually believe the scriptures are reliable in the first place, um, just quoting scriptures is not going to make any difference whatsoever. So, you know, try and work on showing why the scriptures can be trusted first um, before, you know, sharing um, the scriptures. Now, that may not be, apply to every person, um, but there might be for some people, it's not a good approach to just quote Bible straight away. Uh, it won't make much difference to some people who will hear that. Um, I think probably another thing is also don't don't pretend to know answers when you don't. Um, I've, I've actually noticed on some sort of like forums online, just watching how Christians interact with atheists, and I, I kind of cringe at some of the answers that I see there. Um, they're not thought out. They're just cliched. Um, they're very vulnerable to attack and, and it's it's kind of a little bit awkward and embarrassing to see that. So sometimes it's just better to say, look, I actually don't know the answer to that question at the moment, but I'll find out for you. Um, sometimes it's actually probably better to do a lot of reading first before you engage in apologetics if that's what you're going to do. Um, so, yeah, um, just be aware of that. And I guess the final thing, um, as far as possible, um, it's important to be authentic as a Christian. And that's not easy because we're all sinners. Um, but I know um, it can make a difference if people see that you're actually living out what you say you believe. Um, I was very fortunate to meet someone who was incredibly gracious uh, and generous with his time and very humble. Um, I hadn't really met too many people like that. Um, it made a difference. Uh, it made me more willing to listen. So I think, um, yeah, that 1 Peter um, 3.15 quote, it also says not only be uh, ready to have an answer for everyone who asks you, but to do so with gentleness and respect. Um, and I think that's important too. You have certainly given us a lot to think about, Frank. Uh, so, so much wisdom there from not only your knowledge, but your life experience. And one of the things, of course, that I I love that you said is that we need to stop to listen. And I appreciate so much your coming on today that we could really listen to both sides of your story. I think there's so much that you've said, so much that we can learn from listening to you. And again, thank you so much for, for coming on, for telling your story. I think it's going to be insightful for those who are curious, who are seeking. For those of us who've been believers for quite a while, we're all 
inspired and encouraged by by your story. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Jan. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for the opportunity to share. Thanks for tuning into the Side B podcast. If you enjoyed it, subscribe and share this new podcast with your friends and social network. For questions and feedback about this episode with Frank, you can reach me by email at the Side B podcast at cslewisinstitute.org. In the meantime, I'll be looking forward to seeing you next time where we'll be listening to the other side.